everyone. I'm Caspi Bias, and you're listening to Adulting 101, the podcast. This show covers all you need to know about how to survive adulthood and life after college. Today, we're talking about how to give an important business presentation within the workforce. Being a young professional in the business field, there are going to be times where your boss will ask you to give an important presentation to executive staff or coworkers. If you are wondering about things like how to prep, how you can improve on public speaking, or how to get around a boring PowerPoint presentation, we have you covered. Here to speak with me on this topic today is Matt Smart. Matt is a certified change leader. He has 15 plus years of experience designing and implementing training programs to help organizations move their people forward during transitions. He is also the founder of Get Smarter Consulting, a company that provides learning and development services. Enjoy the conversation. I just want to say thank you again for joining the podcast and for joining in on our conversation for our young professionals to learn a little bit more about what you do and how you can assist them with public speaking and presenting presentations within the workforce. Absolutely. Happy to do it and pay it forward because I had mentors, people help me, and I'm happy to lend expertise. You know, what we're going to talk about public speaking is one of the most critical skills that has served me well in my career. Awesome. Yes. How did you get into public speaking and presenting? My father's a professor, college professor. My mother did HR training, similar stuff to me. And so I think it was in the family bloodline. I did get some feedback and tips there from my mother in particular. She was very formative there when I was younger in school making presentations. I really got into it though in the workplace. I was doing sales for a consulting and training company. I was more productive than anybody on the team. I didn't always have the most sales, but they would track all of our activities in their CRM. And so how many phone calls you're making, how many emails, all that type of stuff. And so I always had more than anybody else. So the manager thought maybe I was gaming the system and kind of asked me why I did that. And I showed her just all the technology shortcuts that I had learned that helped me be very speedy. And uh, I volunteered to build a workshop for the sales team and teach a workshop for them. And uh, I think it just kind of came natural. I've gotten better at it over the years. And uh, they ended up doubling their productivity based on the workshop. So then then they said, well, it seems like you're good at this. You know, Would you mind taking over this position for us and managing the learning management system and doing more training? And uh, here I am. Here you are. Yes, yes. I just really enjoy hearing people being able to fit into the field that they were meant to be in. And that's something that they excel in so much. And like I remember from the beginning, I've also been interested in public speaking and presenting and making things as enjoyable and engaging for audiences as much as possible. I did see you present. We competed against each other in the 2019 ATD Trainer Showdown kind of competition. Ah, yes, yes. You are a good speaker. Your presentation was very active. Um, You're getting everybody to dance around and make videos on their iPhone, if I remember right. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Yes. That was fun. I I like that you had people moving and you might want to market and sell that. That is an experience, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. What would you say is the easiest thing about presenting to an audience? 
I think it's easiest if you're talking about something you know a lot about, you know, that you're an expert in, and then you're not really having to think about it so much, and something you're really passionate about. When I mentor people, train them on how to have effective presentation skills, I always tell them, pick something first that they want to talk about. There may be times where a boss may ask you, okay, so do a presentation on like this quarter's expense reports or <laughs> um, something like yeah. that. And you're like, ah, oh, man, I have my... It's interesting to think that even though a topic may be something that you might not be too interested in, even just trying to figure out a way to mix that with something that you are interested in definitely keeps you on track and helps you figure out more of a sense of what's the best way to present to the audience and keep them engaged. You know, say you're presenting about financial data. You know, part of the being an effective speaker is being able to tell a story, even if it's data, even if it's financials. You know, if you're interested in data science, that's part of the curriculum and those certificate or degree programs. You look on Coursera, I think PricewaterhouseCoopers even has a course on that telling a story. And if you can do it with engaging infographics, that's something I do as part of an analytics report that can make it more interesting. So for anybody that, you know, a young professional looking to be effective in that way, I would definitely look at those types of resources. That's been invaluable to me. What would you say is the most difficult thing as far as presenting to an audience? One thing that can be challenging is obviously if you're being challenged in the presentation. Uh, you know, So for example, when I do corporate training as part of my role, there is always a person that's going to push back on the training. I'm not sure what the motivation is there. I think it's sometimes people, they just want to look important or feel important in the class. It might be an ego issue. I'm not sure. They might argue with you about, you know, the concept. So for example, you know, I was teaching a class on giving feedback as a manager and how it's important to do it in a constructive way and not to demean an employee. And one of the managers in there, he was uh, kind of an old school manager and he didn't really appreciate soft skill training. And he was just combative in arguing a lot of the points and research best practices I was putting across. So that can be challenging, but that is a skill and how to deal with that. That's an essential skill that you have to develop as a presenter. There's definitely a mindset that you have to adopt. The one thing I learned is called bracketing. And when someone is challenging you, it's to be aware of what's going on internally and devoting yourself to an attitude of curiosity, even if you don't like the person that's talking or what they're saying, or you disagree, you know, we can't control all of our facial expressions and body language. You know, I do, I am very aware of my body language, which is another thing you should learn work on as a presenter, but you still have micro facial expressions that come out. And so if you can think in your mind, I mean, it's going to be curious and ask this guy questions or listen, you know, what, what he's saying or he, she's saying and have an attitude of curiosity that can help you to not put across it there, bothering you or dissuade them. And then it's always important to maintain that person that's challenging and maintaining their self-esteem. You don't want to put them down or make them feel that they're not important. I've actually taken people aside and talked to them about it and said, you know, clearly you have been doing your role for a long time. Can I involve you more in the class? I want it to be a constructive class for everybody else that might not be at your level. Maybe you could help lead some of the activities. Right. I know there have been a couple of times for me where 
during the Q&A sessions. Something that I would fear is if if somebody comes up with a question that you aren't necessarily able to answer. I remember one time somebody had actually done that and I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to answer this question. If you can't think of think of an answer, just say something like, I can look more into that for you and provide you an answer later on. But definitely being honest and being positive in that sense. I've said similar things. I've also said, that's a good question. I might ask a couple follow-up questions to make sure I understand what they're asking. Because sometimes they ask the question and they rephrase to provide more information. I'm like, oh, I get what you're saying. That's a secret stall tactic to give yourself time to think. And sometimes I might just say, I'd like some time to think about that. Can I get back to you? Or I might say, I'd like some time to think about that. Why don't we talk about it offline, you know, on the break? I learned in a class called Essential Facilitation through a company called Interaction Associates. We called it the meeting memory. And I say, okay, I'm going to put that in the meeting memory. Like, you know, it could just be a piece of flip chart paper. And that helps me remember more. And that changes that perspective where people might be annoyed that you can't answer their questions. Say, well, let me put that in the meeting memory so we'll come back to it. I find people are more receptive to that. The main thing is if somebody asks you a question, though, and you aren't able to answer it, don't just stand there like a deer in headlights. You have to just stay calm. We're all basically human and we adjust accordingly. You know, one thing that gave me good practice being calm under fire is having to make presentations to executives. And that's a special skill on its own because they want the 10,000 foot view or 100,000 foot view. They don't want a lot of details, but if they want to drill down into a topic or ask questions, you have to be prepared to go to 100 feet. You have to have that in your back pocket. And that's part of the preparation I will go to. Like if I'm doing an executive presentation, I may have slides in the appendix. I really do my homework there. So I don't want to have to say, I'll get back to you in that situation. I try to have an answer. And after a while you do it, you can anticipate the type of questions that executives are going to ask you. It's usually, just a little hint here, it's usually related to measurement and impact. They always want that. So I know previously for me, I've met a number of uh, CEOs from, um, or a specific CEO from a company when I first came out of college and I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I'm meeting the CEO. This is excellent. And then I would meet other different executive staff members here and there. And I would also be intimidated by them as well because they are high, like way, way up there. But you learn overall as you continue to get to know them and get to know other people within the company that they're just regular people as well. So just, again, keep calm and just talk to them as you would talk to an individual or like one of your friends, but stay professional, of course, and give them the answers that they're looking for. But just stay calm and recognize that they're also people just like you. How do you typically prepare for a public presentation for adults in general? Like walk us through your process. I do a lot of visualization. And that means a lot of times I will just close my eyes and imagine how the talk's going and try to visualize what I would say and how it will go. Obviously a little bit different during the pandemic with the virtual presentation. The largest part of my preparation is in the material and the slides. I don't put a bunch of content on the slides. That's another faux pas that I see. People put loud all their talking points 
on slides and it drives me bananas. If you have put all your talking points on the slide, then people are just reading your slide. They're not listening to you. And the slides have been you know, misused for a long time. It's really just meant to be a visual, a highlight of what you're talking about. If you don't know your concept well enough, you shouldn't be just putting it on the slides like your talking points. You should know it enough that you don't need your slides because you never know. I've had a projector blow a light bulb and I didn't have slides. You know, it wasn't like I could reschedule that. So I had to know my material really well. I had to reconstruct it all on a blackboard. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, that's essential skill. But back to preparation. So I put a lot of time into the visuals, the materials. I do graphic design as part of what I do as well. So all of my presentation materials are very succinct. Slides are very clean. A lot of white space, easy to read and understand graphics, and the text's not too small, easy to follow images that are, you know, very, you know, models and things like that. So when I put all that at preparation and I'm thinking through as I'm building these slides, I'm thinking through what I want to say, what does this mean? And I may type out slide notes, but I never use them because for me, when I go through that process, I usually know it well enough that I don't need it anymore. That's how I prepare. It may be different for other people. I think also it comes from years of practice. You get to a point, you know, there's that saying, Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours of doing something. That level, of, and I'm sure I've done 10,000 hours or more, it becomes intuitive. You don't have to think about it. Right, like a second nature. Yeah. Just practice. That's definitely key. If possible, just discard the note card that you may be trying to bring up to you. Like you don't have to read off of all of that because you're losing the focus with your audience as well. If you're constantly looking at your note card, even with the TED Talks as well, like you would see a couple of people here and there who may use note cards, but only briefly, if at all. They're just more engaging from engaging with the audience, walking back and forth instead of staying in one place get out from behind the podium and ditch the note card and practice enough times, that'll be good as far as engaging with your audience. There's a concept that I learned in playing music. I'm just an amateur, play blues, used to play out in clubs and stuff. But there was this thing I learned that if you learn the song so well that you know it in your sleep, then you don't have to think about it and it gives you the ability to improvise. Uh, because you're not constantly thinking about it, what you you just sort of comes out. That's sort of how speaking is. I find that if you know your stuff so cold and you practice, if something doesn't go well, or maybe someone's asking a lot of questions, or people ask for you to cover something in more depth, you're able to improvise and it doesn't throw you off. So know your material that well and then you can just improvise and that's i think one of the things that makes me a good presenter is i can improvise very well let's say a young professional is given a presentation by their boss or their boss comes up to them and oh hey i need you to give a presentation to this executive staff member in about like 30 minutes and i'm just now telling you about this what are your recommendations for young professionals that don't have a good amount of time or a long enough amount of time to prepare for a presentation? You know, first I would try to negotiate more time. Right. Like, <laughs> please, please, no. 
I really can't be prepared in 30 minutes, but I can be in an hour. If I have to say no, I always follow it with a yes, I can. This is what I can do instead. You know, focus on your theme, you know, focus on the highlights. That's a public speaking method of laying out something that gets someone's attention, maybe like a statistic, uh, an interesting fact, and laying out like you're writing an essay, your thesis statement, you're basically throwing out what you're going to talk about and providing a very cohesive structure for the listener to follow and then sticking to that structure and continually reinforcing it throughout your talk and then summarizing. You say you have 30 minutes to prepare. Don't make 10, 20 slides. Just make one, one slide, one good visual, and then just come up with your talking points. And rule of three is a good thing to follow. You know, things go well in threes. So three critical points, three bullets. That can be helpful for those young professionals out there that might get a presentation and they have to present in 30 minutes and they're like, oh no, what am I going to do? Yeah. And use your whiteboard. Whiteboard it. Right. I use the whiteboard. Oh yes. Whiteboards are where it is at. What other tools do you have to help people stay engaged with their presentations? Gamification is something I'm passionate about. I do gamification as well as part of my craft. And I use some gamification in the presentation that I did. I actually I had used these little funny hand buzzers and given them to some audience members so they could buzz in. You know, it depends on your audience. That was hilarious. I'm a big fan of infographics. People love that. I did a presentation for ATD once where I didn't have any slides. I just gave them an infographic and talked to it. Infographics, if you can make those, it's a really valuable skill. People like those in corporate. Canva, C-A-N-V-A, I think as a free one. I use Adobe Illustrator to make some more custom ones. You know, even Office 365 has free templates. There's a free gamification platform, especially good if you're training. It's called Socrative, like Socrates, but S-O-C-R-A-T-I-V-E. And this is a teacher's platform. It lets you create gamified quizzes. And then everybody can log in and take the quiz and it shows you a leaderboard so they compete against each other. That makes it really interesting. And it's pretty easy to figure out. Yeah, that sounds fun. Great for virtual presentations. Poll Anywhere is fun for presenters. People love polls. That's a platform that lets you present polls and surveys in a live interactive format where they pull it up on their phone and they are able to answer the poll and then it displays in real time on your screen, on your projector, on your laptop, wherever you're projecting. and They do competitions and games through that as well. All right. Excellent. Yes. Gamification is definitely where it's at. And as far as other different ideas and opportunities too, I know with ATD Atlanta, if anyone is interested too, they could definitely go to their website and see what different types of courses and workshops, activities are provided that way as well. Another resource, you know, if you're a beginning uh, presenter is uh, Toastmasters. That's really affordable. Basically, it's a fun public speaking club. You know, you attend meetings and they give you challenges and tips for presentations. That's an amazing uh, resource. Right, definitely. Training has been really helpful for me. Really should get videotaped and see yourself presenting. Corn Ferry, Effective Communicating was a great course. And then DDI does a training certification for facilitators. It's very good as well. 
What are your thoughts on PowerPoint presentations? Should we keep or should young professionals keep them in mind or take them out? For slides, I would just use the 10, 20, 30 rule. Uh, No more than 10 slides, not longer than 20 minutes, and not smaller than 30 fonts. All right. Excellent. Just wanted to say again, thank you so much for joining me and joining our listeners here on the podcast for today. I hope that they've learned a lot from today and the discussion that we've had thus far and that they're better prepared for what may come their way within the workforce and any presentations or important meetings that they may have. So just wanted to say thank you again. Thank you and glad to help. Good luck and stay safe. Thank you again, Matt, for your advice on how to give an important business presentation. And as always, audience, thank you for listening. I'm Cassidy Bias. Talk to you next time. Remember to subscribe to Adulting 101, the podcast, and follow me on social media, LinkedIn at Caspi Bias, or on Instagram at C-A-S-B-I-A-S. Adulting 101 is part of C-Bias Productions. For more podcasts, please visit Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Thank you.